0: Al Jazeera podcast. More trouble for former U.S. President Donald Trump charged under Georgia's racketeering laws with trying to overturn his 2020 election defeat to Joe Biden. Trump says the latest indictment is rigged. So, how serious is this for him and his presidential campaign? Hello, I'm Adrian Finnegan. This is the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help to define major global stories. right, let's meet our guests from Washington, D.C. We're joined by Julie Norman, co-director of the Centre on U.S. Politics at uh, University College London, from Taipei in Taiwan, Ross Feingold, lawyer and director of the Association of Americans Resident Overseas, and from London, we're joined by Jennifer Ewing, spokesperson for Republicans Overseas UK. A warm welcome uh, to you all. Julie, let's start with you. Unlike the federal charges filed by the Special Counsel for the Justice Department, this case Will proceed in state court. What are the implications of that for Donald Trump?
1: Sure. So, I think the main implication of that is for a federal uh, indictment, such as the last two that we've seen, if Trump is convicted for those crimes and elected president, he could potentially pardon himself, or an ally or sympathizer could also pardon him. For a state-level indictment, such as this one that came out of Georgia yesterday, uh, that's not an option. A president cannot pardon a state-level crime or indictment or conviction. So that's the main difference that I think people will be looking at. The other thing just to emphasize is this indictment is, you know, using a different um, uh, realm, if you will, of of laws of crimes that are within the state of Georgia that were not, for example, included in the federal indictment because they don't exist in the same way at that level.
0: Okay, but could there be a way around it for for Donald Trump if, for instance, there's a change of, of attorney general in Georgia?
1: Um, it would be unlikely at this point that the indictment has already been issued. Um, again, I'm not a legal analyst to to say for sure on this, but I would I assume that if the indictment has already gone through, that even a change there um, would would likely be, uh, be tricky for them to undo the indictment.
0: Ross, could you see Trump serving jail time over this or indeed the federal charge?
2: Uh, well, it's certainly possible, but just to go back to one of your earlier questions— Uh, Trump's attorneys are going to make a motion to move this to federal court because there is a provision in federal law for a federal official carrying out their duties if they're charged with a crime at the state level. They could try and get get it moved into federal court. Now, he tried that with the New York indictment, and the federal judge there denied it. Uh, But different facts, different circuit court it's possible he might—his lawyers might succeed with this motion to get this—at uh, least his case, not the case for all the other defendants uh, moved to federal court. That remains to be seen, but it's definitely uh, going to be attempted by his lawyers. But going back to your question, with four indictments and and so many different criminal charges, sure, it's highly likely that he'll be convicted by a jury on, on something and that it might have a, a jail sentence. But, of course, there's going to be appeals and uh, it will take years before the appeals are exhausted. And again, if he's president, he's not going to go go to jail, whether it's federal or state. Uh, Worst uh, for him, uh, state jail time might wait until he's done being president. Uh, So this is uh, uh, really just the start of the beginning, and it would be a long, long time before he would ever see a day in jail.
0: Julie, you were nodding there.
2: Could you see this case
0: being moved to federal court?
1: Well, it's certainly a possibility, and that's very likely what the Trump team will push for. They attempted similarly for the New York case from earlier this year. That did not go through for the New York case, but they probably will try it for this one. And the fact that it was um, alleged uh, um, activity that took place while Trump was still in office, they will probably have a better uh, shot at that, but it's it's unclear if that will happen or not. Um, but I would agree with just the general— Um, assessment that whatever level this is taking place at, it is going to take a long time. If there is a conviction, expect there will be appeals. This is not going to be a, a short and easy process ahead.
0: Jennifer, is this, as Trump alleges, a politically motivated charge?
3: I believe so. And um, first of all, we've got to uh, think about the amazing timing on this. We are now four for four with regards to indictments coming out the day after there's really bad news for the uh, Biden family influence peddling. So um, well done on the uh, DOJ for once again, again. having having um, come out, you know, the day after something negative for the Biden family. Um, the other thing is, if it's politically motivated, I don't believe they're going after him because he's the former president. I believe they're going after him because he is uh, running for president and he's Joe Biden's you know, uh, big political opponent, and that's what they're trying to stop. So I don't think the goal is actually to put him in prison. I think the process is the punishment. Um, You know, they want to fill his dance card with all of these different court dates, you know, some on really, really um, important dates, like before the Iowa caucus or before the Republican National Convention. So, his time and treasure—
0: What you're saying is that you're accusing the Democrats of wanting him out of the race.
3: Well, actually, my theory, um, and some of uh, us at Republicans overseas UK, is that what the Democrats want, and it's very good uh, strategy, is they want um, Trump to be the GOP nominee. They want to run against him in the general election. So if you notice, every time there's an indictment, um, his poll numbers go up. He's able to raise more money. The base, you know, that 25 to 30% um, continues to support him. And people look at this as though it's a weaponization of the criminal justice system, and they want to back him. Now, the Democrats, I believe, also think they can beat him in a general election, because while the hardcore Republican base, you know, there's nothing that can happen that will turn them away from Trump, the really important people are the people in the middle the, uh, the independents, the persuadables, and that's a, I believe that's about 38% of um, the voting population. So are they going to be paying attention to the nuances of this case? Or are they just going to say, you know what, this is too much of a mess? I, I don't want to hear about uh, Trump's issues or Biden's issues, actually. I mean, I think depending on which poll you look at, There's something like 60 to 70 percent of Democrats, Republicans, independents do not want to see a Trump versus Biden again. They don't want Biden to run either. So um, I think people are looking for fresh blood. But again, I think it's I think it's smart uh, Democratic policy to elevate Trump up so he becomes the GOP nominee.
0: Ross, what do you make of, of, of all of that, particularly about the, the, what Jennifer was saying that about the timing uh, of all of this? I mean, surely the, the U.S. justice moves at the speed that U.S. justice moves. It is not partisan. It is independent. It's above all this, isn't it?
2: That's well, certainly what District Attorney Willis said in her press conference, that the law is nonpartisan. We have to keep in mind that these investigations began pretty pretty much at the conclusion of the Trump presidency, so they certainly predate his announcement that he was going to run for the 2024 Republican nomination. But uh, it's been pointed out in the last few hours by many uh, commentators in the United States that white-collar investigations typically do take several years. Even the uh, hush-money indictments in in Manhattan, uh, that investigation was going on throughout Trump's presidency, and it was only uh, two years after the end of his presidency that an indictment was actually brought. Uh, and, and Willis has been conducting this investigation, again, since uh, January of 2021. It, it's really not unusual in complex, white-collar uh, cases. So, uh, absent any proof of, of uh, Democrat conspiracy, which may exist, but uh, the proof hasn't been offered up yet, that there's some kind of coordination among state and federal prosecutors to uh, bring these actions against Trump and to make it very difficult for him to campaign in the primary. But certainly, this is going to create tremendous logistical difficulties for Trump. He's got court dates. He's got to meet with lawyers. He's got to plan strategy uh, for the case. And uh, every day that he's in court, he's obviously not out campaigning, although that has to be weighed against the the very large lead he has among uh, likely Republican primary voters.
0: Julie, the district attorney's office in Fulton County used a special grand jury in this case? What's the difference between a grand jury and a special grand jury? And why was one used in this case?
1: Yeah, so the uh, Georgia prosecutor had used a special grand jury for the first phase of the investigation that allowed for a bit wider scope of evidence gathering than you are sometimes able to use in a regular grand jury with subpoenaing witnesses and and these types of things. But the, the catch there was that you can't pursue an indictment through a special grand jury, so you sometimes get more information, but the indictment had to come from a regular grand jury. So much of it was found and had to be presented to a second group, which is the group that ultimately issued the indictment that we saw come out last night.
0: OK, uh, Julie, um, the indictment accuses Trump of orchestrating a criminal enterprise violating uh, Georgia's RICO law, the Racketeer-Influenced and Corrupt Organization Act. I mean, what can you tell us about that act? Why would prosecutors seek to build a case around it?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. This RICO Act essentially covers the crime of racketeering. It was initially used usually to go after mafia or organized crime types, but it's been used within the state of Georgia and even by this prosecutor for other types of investigations, everything from uh, teachers involved in cheating scandals to uh, different kind of alleged gang activities and what have you. And I believe that they're using this in this case because they're trying to tell a broader story, a broader narrative of Many different actions that were allegedly taken by many different individuals, but all with the ultimate goal of changing the election results in the state of Georgia in 2020. So it's a sort of an umbrella approach to telling this broader story of um, of what happened in 2020, and that's why they're pursuing that. And it's one reason why this indictment includes not only Trump um, but 18 um, alleged uh, others as well, um, from lawyers, advisors, etc.
0: Ross, a-, a clerk for the court. Uh, appeared to accidentally post an incomplete docket report outlining a number of charges against Trump just after uh, midday on Monday, which Trump's lawyers seized upon as being, quote, emblematic of the pervasive and glaring constitutional violations committed by the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. Uh, What do you make of that?
2: Ultimately, this will probably be a non-issue. We're probably not going to be talking about it as— uh, pre-trial motions and hearings uh, occur, and ultimately, when the trial takes place, it's in a case of this complexity, given the the need for a, a public relations strategy by the prosecutor's office, and that's totally understandable. She's indicted the former president of the United States. It's possible that some signals got crossed, and uh, you know, a, a draft may have been prepared and handed to the clerk with instructions not to uh, publish it until we give the okay, but it was published anyway. But again, ultimately. I think this is a non-issue. But to go back to the—quickly the, to the RICO statute issue, the very interesting thing there is, uh, yes, it's correct, this, historically, at the federal level, was used to bring down the mafia. And Rudolf Giuliani, when he was a federal uh, prosecutor in Manhattan, made great use of it. And Donald Trump was in the construction business in Manhattan, which the mafia was heavily involved in in the 1980s. He knows what RICO statutes are, and so does Giuliani. I think this was used in part also to scare them, because they know very well what RICO statutes are. Okay, Jennifer,
0: uh, uh, picking up on on what Ross was saying there, how do you think Trump's legal team uh, are going to play it?
3: Well, I mean, I do think that leak or um, accidental posting of, um, you know, some of these indictments before the grand jury had actually um, convened is— you know whether it was a mistake or not, it's sloppy. It doesn't look good. I also understand they um, put out the names of the, uh, the grand uh, jury members, which isn't great. I, I don't know if you call that doxing or whatever, but um, maybe this does turn into a non-issue. I don't know. But um, as Julie said, they are going for a wide range of charges. And so these are novel and Rather untested legal theories, So could his attorneys all of a sudden say, "Wait a minute, this is crazy. You put this out. This is sloppy. What else have you been sloppy on? I don't know. i'm I'm not any e- legal expert, but Absolutely, I'm sure they'll be trying everything. And again, that's the issue is we're all sitting here talking about this legal mess and then you know we're going to be talking about the, the Biden family's legal mess as well. And is that what we want going into 2024 is discussing two men's um, you know corruption allegations and legal charges or do we want to talk about who's going to be the next president of the United States? I mean, I think the American people deserve better.
0: Ross, as we said at the beginning, it's the fourth indictment uh, this year, the second case to seek criminal accountability for attempting to overturn the election. Uh, Can he still win the Republican uh, presidential nomination with all of this legal jeopardy hanging over him, his inability to campaign because of it?
2: Well, uh, Yeah, as I mentioned, it's it's, uh, a logistical headache if he can't campaign because he's got to meet with lawyers or attend— Hearings. On the other hand, Donald Trump, ever since he famously came down the escalator in 2015, and even before that in his uh, television as well as uh, uh, business career, he he has an, an extraordinary ability to get media attention. So he doesn't necessarily have to be going to the county fair or the state fair in Iowa or other places. He knows how to get media attention for himself, and he's got social media tools and other ways to do that. He could just call in to certain media stations, and tens of millions of people are going to watch him. And pretty much every major media outlet, even if they don't like him, they're going to report on what he said. Uh, But polls indicate he's got a large lead among Republican primary voters, and the Republican primaries are winner-takes-all. So he doesn't need to win by 25 percent in a particular state. He just needs to get more votes than any of the other Republican candidates, and he's going to win all the delegates within the RNC uh, Republican National Committee primary uh, process for that state. So, frankly, as of now. He looks like the, the, the absolute easy winner of the Republican nomination. OK,
0: Julie, picking up on, on what Ross was saying
2: a few minutes ago, uh, if, if he's the, the
0: easy winner then, the shoe-in for the Republican nomination, and he's convicted on any of the charges that are, that are hanging over him, can he still be president?
1: Well, legally, he can. There is nothing in our Constitution that prohibits even someone who's been convicted of a crime or serving time in prison from also serving as president. So that's just not anything that's addressed in the Constitution. Um, I think many across the political spectrum will, um, you know, worry about the uh, implications of that, you know, electability first for a general election and then ability to govern afterwards. But as Ross rightly pointed out, At least going into the primaries, Trump is very far ahead. He has a very commanding lead. And if anything, the indictments and even a possible conviction just seem to be uh, mobilizing his campaign and uh, mobilizing some of his supporters uh, even more than without those uh, things in the mix.
0: Okay, Jennifer, if if he uh, if he gets the nomination, he's a shoo-in for that. To what extent are the Republicans picking a dud here? Alan Lichtman who's accurately predicted every presidential election since 1984, says that Trump is done. He's got too many burdens, too much baggage. Uh, he's not going to win.
3: Look, like I said earlier, I think, um, depending on the poll, 60 to 70 percent of the uh, the voters in the U.S. would like to see Someone different than Trump and different than Biden running. So, on the GOP side, we have a great bench. You know, there's a lot of people that I think the Americans would like to hear from, you know, whether it's Ron DeSantis, whether it's Vivek Ramaswamy, whether it's Tim Scott, you know, there's a really good bench. And what's happening is um, every time we're talking about Trump, we're not talking about these other people. So, again, the people that are going to really make a difference in this election are those undecideds and the persuadables. And are they going to take the time to really dig into this legal quagmire? Probably not. So I don't think it bodes well um, for the Republicans if he is the GOP nominee. I don't. But two things can be right at the same time. You can look at um, the general election and say, perhaps I'd like to see another GOP candidate, and also look at this indictment after indictment after indictment, um, the day after bad news for the Biden family influence peddling, and say, this is a weaponization of the criminal justice system. Both things can be true at the same time. And I think that's what's going on.
0: Ross, what do you think? Where will these independents and undecideds uh, go uh, or will they not? Will they stay away from the they polls? Could that swing it Trump's way?
2: And the interesting thing about that question is, uh you know, a lot of Republican analysts will say, oh, you know, we've lost three elections with Trump, two- 2018 midterms, 2020 presidential and congressional elections, and in part the 2022 uh, midterm, because the Democrats kept control of the Senate and the Republicans didn't do as well as they expected in the House. Uh, but the reality is, uh, Trump has motivated a lot of people to vote Republican who previously were not voting Republican. And also, uh, just like recent presidential elections, this is going to come down to the margin of victory in a small number of swing states. And in the aggregate, that's probably tens of thousands, maybe hundred or 200,000 votes at most. So the margin of victory, you know, we're talking about the indictment of Georgia, where President Trump called up the secretary of state and said, find me 10,000-plus you know, votes. That shows how close the margin of victory is. And, and it's going to be the same thing, again, in Georgia, in uh, Arizona, in Nevada, in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And if we look at, the, again, some of those voters, blue-collar voters who switch from Obama to Trump. Uh, Trump did surprisingly well with minority voters as well. Hispanics, blacks, Asians have been shifting their votes to Republicans and to Trump. So I, I, I'd be very, very cautious about saying he's completely flawed and that he has no chance of winning. Biden has plenty of flaws, as as we've been discussing. Uh, the other, he's not popular. People are frustrated over inflation. So it's, it's certainly conceivable that in a one-on-one race, uh, Trump could beat Uh, Biden, if he just beats him in those swing states,
0: Julie, would you agree with that? If it came down to a Trump-Biden rematch, it would be incredibly close.
1: Well, indeed, we're already seeing right now, and I think this was mentioned earlier, that polls show Biden and Trump neck and neck in a potential rematch, and. uh, this is you know two candidates that people know very well and are in the news constantly so um so right now it's looking more even than i think um you know many democrats would expect it to be for example and i think if there are democrats pushing for a Trump nomination thinking it's going to be an easy win. They should think twice about that because it's, it's definitely playing with fire, according to the polls. And I would just second what Ross said also, that um, there's the larger polls, but it's also where the votes are. And I think we'll see, you know, again, those very key swing states being very much a play, in play again in 2024. And it's really going to depend a lot on what voters in those particular states Choose and do. And I would say many voters, you know, some are very strong Trump supporters, some are very strong Biden supporters. Others are voting for issues that just affect people more in their day to day life, how the economy is doing, how things are going on a day to day basis. So I think a lot will just depend on what other trends okay. are happening. And, and if the economy keeps improving, that will help well, Biden uh, a lot going into
0: 2024. Jennifer, the election's a long way away. Yet anything could happen between now and then. But uh, if he did run and if he did win, what would a second Trump presidency look like? Remember those words on Truth Social? If you come after me, I'll come after you.
3: (laughs) Well, look, I mean, I think that's getting to the heart of all that is wrong with some of these um, indictments, the politically motivated indictments. Do we really want to live in a world where We continue to, I mean, every single president from here on out would be indicted for something. Um, I I don't think we wanna go down that road. It's a slippery slope. It's very dangerous. And more importantly, it's distracting, you know, from all of the issues that are important um, for hopefully the American people. I mean, their kids getting their, you know, kids back to school after schools were closed and the environment, the border, um, you know, whatever. The, The important kitchen table issues are what we should be discussing, not revenge against, um, someone, but um, inevitably that could happen. Um, you know, there's a that base, that 25 to 30 percent of the, uh, the hardcore Trump supporters do believe that he is rightfully entitled to a second term. So, um, you know, his first term was four years of peace and prosperity. The conservatives will tell you that he um, appointed three Supreme Court justices that they're very happy with. Um, so, you know, anything, anything could happen. But as a Republican, I think we want to win. So we want the candidate that is most likely to win and beat. Um, personally, I don't even think Biden will be the Democratic candidate. I think there's no way he can hold off this, um, you know, fl- the floodgates that are starting to open with facts against okay. um, his his family. So uh, anything can happen. Right. As you just said, we are a long way Ross, away.
0: Ross, um, as far as the Republican Party is concerned, though, I mean, is it? Is all of this worth it? There's all of this controversy worth it. How much damage? I mean, not only you know you had the first Trump presidency and the damage that did to the Republican Party's image, and then all of this with the legal jeopardy. How much damage is this doing both to the Republican Party and to the U.S. justice system with Trump constantly calling into question its impartiality?
2: Well, President Trump, uh, even when he was president, now now that he's a former president, but. During his presidency, he would criticize uh, judges, and uh, uh, the the independence of the Department of Justice came under question uh, because of his relationship, uh, first with Sessions and then later with Attorney General Barr and how Barr portrayed the independent—or, sorry, the special counsel, Mueller's report. Um, So these things have been in flux anyway, but ultimately, if Trump is to win, again, I think we would probably see a repeat of the first Trump presidency when it comes to policy issues. So, we would see a very different direction on environmental regulations, education policy, uh, certainly the border. for, For many of the recent U.S. presidents, whether Democrats or Republicans, they've been accused of operating what's called an imperial presidency. They ignore Congress, partly because we're so polarized in a partisan way, so very little can get through Congress. So, the presidents start to uh, be more aggressive with using executive authority than some of their predecessors. Biden's done that, again, as his predecessors did. I would expect Trump to do even more of that. and. Uh sure enough, there are uh, policymakers and experts, scholars uh, on the conservative side of the political divide. They're actually planning for that right now. They're planning on how a a second Trump presidency could really, uh, you know, use to the limit uh, the presidential—the president's executive authority.
0: All right. There we must leave it. Many thanks indeed. Julie Norman, Ross Feingold, and Jennifer Ewing. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Katia lopez Horayan, Fungi Nguyen, and Hannah Shakir. Studio Sound was by Eli Hani. The program was edited by Anaban Sarkar, Khaled Sultan, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. And thanks for listening. Tune in again on Wednesday for our next edition.
2: This week on The Take, Imran Khan, Pakistan's most popular politician, has been banned from the next election. So, who can fill the power vacuum? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.